0: So, this morning we are going to be talking about crave. Hold on, thank you guys, thank you gentlemen. So, if you got your Bibles with you, I'd love for you to turn to Proverbs chapter 4, and we're going to launch here for a second, verse 18. But again, our theme for this year we've been talking about is moving forward. This is the word that God gave us as a church family. Everybody say with me, move forward. This is the direction that we're going. We're going forward, we're not going backwards, we're not going to the side. We are going in the direction that He called us to go. And we are so hungry about that. We're passionate about that. Because how many know that as believers, as Christians, our pathway should be getting brighter and brighter, not darker and darker, right? So Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 18, and I'm going to just read it to you from the Passion Bible for a moment. It says this, The lovers of God, we're the lovers of God. Woo! Woo! All right, there's five of us in the house. Where's the rest of you? (laughs) The lovers of God walk on the highway of light, And their way shines brighter and brighter until they bring forth the perfect day. Verse 19 says, on contrast, But the wicked walk in thick darkness like those who travel in fog and yet don't have a clue why they keep stumbling. So as believers, should we be foggy? Meaning we don't know what our next step is. Meaning we don't know what we're supposed to do next. Is that God's plan for you and I? No, what does he say? The righteous, those that love God, those that are believers, it says here right in the Word of God that we are called to be walking on this highway of light. And it gets brighter and brighter. Yes. So every time we take a step in Jesus, what happens? It gets brighter. Yes. Take another step, what? Brighter. Yes. So things ought not to be foggy for you and I. So we're going to talk a little bit about this and how do we get on that highway of light. Now I believe this with all my heart as believers and as Christians, that we have to develop a craving for Jesus. In order to walk in this highway of light, in order to see my next step, in order to know my next step, I have to get on this highway of light. And so when I say craving, what do I mean? It just simply means that I have a powerful or a strong desire for Jesus. That I desire Him. Right? Okay, so when, saying this, when I say craving Jesus, I'm also meaning that I need Him in my life. I need Him. Right? Not just he's, I'm not just a fan of Jesus. Right? It's great to be a fan of Jesus, but we don't just need fans. We need people that actually need Him in their life. And listen, in Western culture, we got a lot of great things. I mean, we live very comfortably up here. So a lot of times it's almost, I don't know if I really need Jesus in this because I could just work more hours or I could just go to a doctor. And those are all great. Those are fine. Not saying there's anything wrong with that, but what is, where is your need for Jesus? How badly do you need Him in your next step? and right? if, you're, if you're kind of stuck in a decision, I don't know which way to go, how badly do you need him to give you that instruction? Because look at this, everybody in the Old Testament, everybody in the New Testament that we see in the Bible, anybody that ever did something powerful for God, they came to this point where they actually needed him. Not just a fan of God. Moses wasn't just a fan of God. He needed God. Listen, you're leading three million people? Yeah, you're going to need some help. <laughs> right, But it was everybody, it was David, it was Daniel, it was Solomon All of these men and women of God, they needed him, they weren't just a fan of him And because of that need, it says that they did amazing things for God You know, God lays out some powerful truths too I'm just laying a foundation before we go on But God said a few things in Psalm 53 verse 2 It says, God has looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there is anyone who understands who seeks after God, and I love this in the Amplified, it says, who requires Him, who longs for Him as essential for life. How essential is He to your life? Do you need Him? Are you depending on Him for your next step? How much do badly and how badly do you want Him? Next, it's God's invitation, Psalm 27, verse 8. It says this, When you said, seek my face in prayer, require my presence as your greatest need. That I need Him. His presence is my greatest need that I have in my life. So my heart responded to Your face, O Lord. I will seek on the authority of Your Word. And then God goes on to say, here, this is His declaration. Psalm 24, 6. It says, this is the generation. Say it with me. This is the generation. I'm in that generation. Right? Do you have it put on the screen there? This is the generation of those who diligently seek Him and require Him as their greatest need, who seek Your face even as did Israel. So this is who we are. We are those that need Him. I believe this just as much as you see in previous days how many people needed God. You look through. You can read throughout your Bible and we all have a common denominator. These men and women, they needed Him so they sought after Him. Israel was encamped by so many different armies trying to come against it. Coming after it on every side. What did they do? They had a whole, they put a big prayer meeting on and said, we're going to just fast, we're going to pray and ask God, what are we supposed to do? What do you do when enemies surround you all over the place? They sought Him. They went after Him. And what did God tell them to do? Get the worship team out front. Start praising me. Say what now? Yeah, get the worship team. No, say what? Get the harp. Get the lyre. Get all those things and get them out front and start praising God. That's why we worship. The devil pees his pants every time you start lifting your voice to him. So what they do, they started praising God. They started shouting His praise. And what happens? Wiped out. Completely wiped out. So I'm talking about I need God. And this is the generation of those that need Him. I believe that with all my heart. We are not going to be people who just are fans of Jesus, but we actually want Him in our life. He is essential to my life. Amen? Okay. So again, now this is a personal choice. Nobody, no one can choose this for you. Right? Nobody can force, hey, ha- crave Jesus, crave Jesus, crave Jesus. It's a personal heart response that you and I have to make on the inside. Yeah. Right? Make sense? Yeah. Okay. Now again, I, you know, for myself personally, this is something that I continually talk about is relationship with Jesus. You know, one of the things I know the Lord has asked me to do and one of the callings that I know that the Lord has spoken in my heart about is He said these words to me one night at two o'clock in the morning in March of 2014. Get people ready to face God. Done. That's it. So that what stirs me up now is all about relationship. Because listen, when we go and meet him, you're not going to a boardroom, you're going to a love feast. We have to get to know who our daddy is. A lot of times, yes, he is God Jehovah, absolutely. But there's times when he is daddy. You've got to get to know who he is. Right, so we're not going to a CEO, we're not going to a boardroom, right? He's not a CEO of a company. Who is he? He's a father, he's a lover, he's a dad. So for me, it's always come back to understanding that we have to have this relationship, this father relationship with him. Right? So that's what I'm going to be talking about these next couple of weeks as we go forward in this. Is just talking about how do I have a relationship with this Jesus? How do we do this? What does it look like? Okay. So um, why do I continue to talk about relationship with Jesus? Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. Again, this is why we're talking about this. Verse 32, you ready? Just read it with me the very word says, but, you see that comma, but? All right, ready? But the people who know their God shall prove themselves strong and shall stand firm and do exploits for God. Did you hear that? The people who know their God shall prove themselves strong. They shall stand firm. And then they'll do exploits for God. What are exploits? Mighty works. Amazing works. What Moses did through, what God did through Moses in Egypt, those are exploits. Parting the Red Sea. That's an exploit. Guess what? That's Old Testament stuff. Man, we should be doing these things, but even greater works, Jesus said, you'll do. So listen, and I find this too, people even praying for strength. Oh God, give me strength. Huh? Says right here, if you know your God, what happens? You'll be strong. Oh Lord, man, just make me firm. I want to be strong. I want to be a firm believer. Know your God. You can pray for it all you want. Guess what? That won't work. Why? Because you need to know Him. When you know Him, these things are automatic. I will stand firm. I'll be strong, and I'll do the exploits. We got to get this back in order. So I want to just simplify it again this for you this morning, rather than just kind of have a religious mindset of who this God is, and we got to just come back and get to know Him. That sounds good. That's all right. So the reason why we're talking about this is because those that know their God will be strong, will be firm, and they'll do exploits. Number two. It is 1st Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9. It says this, you have been or it says God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says, and notice this, he has invited you into partnership with his son Jesus Christ our Lord. This is your primary purpose for life. This is the invitation that went out to you. You are called into a partnership or a relationship with his son. Before you do anything else, before you were, you know, you had a, your job or your, your degree that you got in school, before you did all this, this invitation came out and you've been called into a partnership and a relationship with Jesus. So why are we talking about relationship? Because this is your primary call. This isn't your third or fourth thing on your list. This is the reason why you exist on this planet. Number three, John fifteen five. Jesus said at the very end of it, without me, you can do Nothing. So why am I talking about a relationship with Jesus? Because with Him, I can do what? All things. But apart from Him, I can do nothing. Do you believe that? I know it's not one of those, oh yeah, I'm going to you know, confess this. all. No, but apart from Him, I can do no, Like just break that down, no thing. I can do no thing. But with Him, it changes everything. Now, number four and five, these are from my, my, my journal, my dear diary. So you can write those down. But number four is God is my source of everything that I need. He is the source. You know, C.S. Lewis in his Mere Christianity book, he says, people even looking for happiness, for joy, for peace, apart from God, but there's no such thing. People want joy. They want all this. But listen, apart from God, there is no such thing as joy. How come? Why? Because God is joy. That's who he is. He doesn't just have it. That's something that he is. God is love. He doesn't have it. He possesses it. That's who he is. So again, (laughs) we have to get in a relationship with him. When I know him, I know love. When I know him, I know peace. When I know him, I know joy. Can you see that? And lastly, number five, I'm just touching on this a little bit. And lastly, number five, everything flows in my life from my relationship with Jesus. If I have a quality relationship with Jesus, my wife will be blessed. My kids will be blessed. Y'all be blessed. If I don't have a good relationship, that's going to suck for her. It's going to stink for my kids. And this is going to stink for everybody else. My, everything in my life flows from my relationship with Jesus. So this is why we're talking about it. This is why we're going into it. So the questions that I'm going to address these upcoming weeks is, how do I have a relationship with Jesus? What does a relationship with God look like? Who is the Holy Spirit? And where do I start in the relationship with Him? So this morning, I'm going to take this part and we're going to just talk about how do I start. Where does it all begin? Okay, you ready? Okay, turn in your Bibles. 1 John 4.19. If you don't have a Bible with you, go on your phone. Check it out. You need to see this on your devices or your Bible. you need got to see it. We got Faith comes how? By hearing. And by hearing the Word of God. we got to see it with our own eyes. Digest it. I'm not just giving you a cute little chat this morning. I want to give you the Word of God. This is what the Word says. So 1 John 4.19. It says this, We love Him because He first loved us. So again, we're going to be talking this morning, How do I start in this relationship with Jesus? Where does it all begin? Now a lot of people may have this mindset, Oh, when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord, that's when it began. And, you know, there's some truth to that. You may have come into realization that you now have a relationship with him. But the reality is, is that he started it a long time ago before Genesis 1 was even talked about. Before even God said, let there be light. Before the heavens and the earth were even created, God had already was there in eternity. And he made some decisions. Okay? So he started it. That's what we're going to talk a little bit about. But before that, I want to jump to ahead. 1 John again, 4.19. We love him. Why? Why? Think about this. I love him. Why? Because he, because he first loved me. What are some expressions of love that I have for him? I mean, I get involved in a local church body, right? Just, I, I go to church. I do, I, I'm with the body. I connect with the body. What? I give. I give of my time, my resources. I'm involved, you know, in going out in impact days. These are all expressions of my love for him. And guess what? Why do I do all these things? Because he first loved me. This kind of takes away all this mindset of, oh, I'm doing God a favor. Nobody does God a favor by going to church. (laughs) God, I went today. You should be happy. That doesn't do nothing for him. Why? Everything that we doing, coming to church, parking way down the street, because we don't have any parking around here. Parking way down there is a response to him loving you first. I give. Why? Because he first loved me. You, can you see that? Yeah. I knock on these doors. As the, as the team, we did that yesterday. Why do we knock on these doors? Because he first loved me. Yeah. Now, and this is the way that the Lord said it to me this past week. He said, Joel, I want you to develop a he started it mindset. Yeah. You know the way that you do that with your siblings, right? He started it. Anybody ever say that to their, you know? Anybody ever do that? Yeah. Anybody been the victim of somebody saying that to them? Yeah. He started. Yeah, me too. Firstborn gets it the roughest. Am I right? Firstborns. Yes. Only four firstborns in the house. Okay, I better shut up there. Yeah, it's really harder for the second and underneath. That's where the life gets tough. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's right. <laughs> but he started it. So let's just say this to God. He started it. God started it. He started it. So everyone throughout their life, at some point or time, comes in contact with the love of God by hearing someone share the gospel of what Jesus has done for them. And as Christians, again, I love, I love this, but as believers, you know what? One of the best things that we can do as Christians, anytime that you go to share the gospel with somebody, always give God's side first. That makes man's side so much easy. Right? Always talk about what is he's done, what God did, what is, what is God's work in all this. And then the result is I just respond to what I hear. Because a lot of times when you kind of share some things, that some religious mindset comes in and go, okay, I got to try to work this up i gotta try to, I got to try to be better. i got to try to be a better person. It's none of that. Everything in this life is a response to Him. Okay, you see that? Everything is a response to Him. So, <laughs> I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 1, please. So what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to share God's side of the relationship. And our job, simply then, is just going to respond to it. Okay? Can you see that? So there's, no, there's nothing on your end that you're trying to have to prove. You're not going to have to work hard to try to make something happen. You're simply here this morning to respond to what he's done. Okay, you ready? Yeah. So in Ephesians chapter 1, and I want us just to start here, but there was eternity before creation. There was an eternity before creation. And in Ephesians chapter 1, 1 through 8, we actually see God made some decisions before the world was even created. So we have to honor that. We've got to recognize that. This is God's decisions. And he didn't ask you for your thought on it. He didn't ask you what you thought about this whole process. This is God made. This is God's decisions that he made before creation happened. Okay? Now, I know when I spent some time, I, I know I finished some work this past week of it in a, in, a, in a coffee shop, and I'm bawling my eyes out. So I'm going to do my best to not do that here. But if it happens, so be it. <laughs> but this gets so good because you see God's side in all this. You see his heart. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. This is the letter from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. Notice that, faithful followers. Not just fans, followers. Committed to Him. Man, I'm committed to this man. No matter what he wants me to do, no matter what he asks me to do, I am committed to doing this. Verse 2, it says this. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Now, ready? These are some of the decisions that happened. Verse 3, it says this. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Now, why is it every spiritual blessing? Let's Just think about it for a sec. Rather than just kind of reading it over and go, oh, that's too, that's too far-fetched. Why is it a spiritual blessing? Again? Eternity before creation. So here's creation. This is the world right here. God made this statement. You're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Was there even an earth to be blessed with? Not yet. So that's why he said, I'm blessed y'all with every spiritual blessing. So that, again, what is the parent force? The spirit or the natural? The spirit. So anything happening in the spirit, you can perform it and produce it to come out in the natural. So he gave us everything with even this one verse. Everything is encompassed in that. Now look at verse 4. I love this. Even before He made the world. Can we read that together? Even before He made the world. Again, even before He made the world. Okay, these are the decisions He's made. This is what He's stating. Are you ready? What did He do even before He made the world? God loved us. And He chose us in Christ Jesus, what? To be... Holy and without fault in His eyes. When did He choose this? Before the world began. Now look at verse 5. It continues on. God, what? Come on, you see this somebody. God decided. Not you decided. Not how I acted decided. God decided. God decided in advance to what? Adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. Now, I love these words. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. He started it. Come on, I want you to think that he started it. Maybe you didn't think, I didn't even really want this relationship. It doesn't matter. He started it. And you get to have a relationship. He started it. Verse 6, it goes on to say, That's why we praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Verse 7. It just gets better, right? He is so rich in kindness and grace. Now we know that to be true then, but when did when is this all talking about? Before the world began, it's saying he is so rich in kindness and grace. This is who he is. This is who he is. It says that he what? He purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and what? Forgave all of our sins. When did he do this? Before creation. Verse 8, the first three words. He has showered His kindness on us. So for those of you that didn't take a bath this morning, you still got showered with kindness and grace. Every morning you wake up, His grace is new every day. New mercies every morning. And it says, along with what? All wisdom and understanding. So what did God decide before the foundation of the world? He said this, that He's chose you. With with every spiritual blessing, he chose you to be in Christ, and you are holy and without fault in his eyes. I think somebody needs to hear this morning, so I'm not going to rush this. This morning, God says this about you. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. It says this, verse 4, He loves you and he chose you before the world even began. And why did he chose you? He chose you to be holy and without fault in his eyes. You're sitting here, October the 7th, Thanksgiving weekend, in Red Deer, with God looks at you, and he looks at you without fault. Yeah. That's right. <sighs> wow. But you don't know what I did yesterday. It doesn't matter, because God made this decision before he created the world. You're not going to change his mind about how bad you've been. Why? Because he's God. If he, this is the way that he wants to think, let him. <laughs> it's a good deal for you. Take it. <laughs> I don't know why people want to argue that because I've had people come up to me and go, you just have no idea what I've done. Listen, he is willing to absolutely forget about all this. Let him think that. Let him. It works out better for you. Now, it would help you if you start thinking like that. God's already forgotten it. He's already forgiven it. Why do you keep bringing it up? And the, the sin that, oh man, I messed this up and I did all this. God's forgotten it. Why do you keep thinking about it? God doesn't even know it exists. And here you are talking about it. Why? Well, a lot of times people just like to self pity. Yeah. Right? People like to wallow in it. Oh, we, you know, it, it makes me feel comfortable just knowing all this. No, it, it, it really comes back down to is you just want people to petty you a little bit. And we ain't going to do that. God's not doing it. He said, I've let it go. So let it go. Don't make me think frozen to you. <laughs> let it go. Let it go. I don't really know how that. But let it go gotta let it go because this will hinder your walk with him this hinders it i want a relationship with him but i feel so bad in all this listen there is no condemnation in christ jesus we got this sin consciousness mindset i did this and i did that i acted like this god forgot it let it go you see this you got to understand when did he let it go when did god forgive all this here Here. He made the decision here. But I screwed up here. But he thought about it here. So you're okay. Okay. What else did he say? Verse 5. He decided to adopt you into his family and he brought you close. I feel so far away from God. Well, that's feeling had nothing to do with it. He said, I want you close. Come on in. So you have to start believing this rather than how I feel about it. Next, he said in verse 7. He purchased our freedom. This starts to rub me in a really good way. But people are bound in addictions and sin. And they're stuck here. But if we got a glimpse of how God saw it beforehand, you can look at some of these things. Oh, no, 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 no. I can't let that stuff hold me back because God decided way back when that I already purchased my freedom. When are you going to be free? When the addiction leaves? you already free from what? When? You were free right here. So what is it going to take for me to actually see in my life? It's a different mindset. I got to start change the way that I think. This is what the whole Romans 12 talks about. He says, we talk to the world, we got to say, you got to get born again. We talk to the Christians, we say, you got to change the way that you think. What do we got to start thinking? As if God, how, how he started thinking before the foundation of the world, you're free now. 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 Come on, say now, I'm free now. That sin can't hold me now. I'm, I'm free now. I'm free. Say it, I'm free. I'm free. Man, that's just a load off. Think about it. Thanksgiving Day, I'm free. Oh, man. Oh, this is good. Take it off you. Like has God already made some decisions. Right? Start seeing it a little bit in a different light. He goes on to say, He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son. And then what did He do? He forgave all sin. Man, think about that. Yeah. So that means every bad guy in the world today, guess what? God has already made this decision. If they would just accept it and come into alignment with it, that exact thing what he just spoken can be theirs just like that. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing grace. It's too good to be true. Yeah. That's what the gospel is. Yeah. Right? Next, Romans chapter 8, verse 29 and 30. I'll have it on the screen, but I want to just show you again a few decisions God made. It says, "For God knew what His people when, in advance, okay, in advance." And it says, "And He what? And He chose them to be like who? His Son. Oh, you're not stuck just to be you. Wives, hit your husbands. Come on, that's you. Husbands, you know, love tap your woman. Yeah, this girl, this is you. You are not limited to just being you, and that is good news." I'm not, just have to be me. Your identity, you are supposed to become just like His Son. That's the call. So then He says, so that His Son would be the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30. It says, then having chosen them, what did He do? He called them to come to Him. And having called them, what did He do? He gave them right standing with Himself. And having given them right standing, what did He do? He gave them His glory. You got it. You got it. Say, I got it. You got it. You're not trying to earn it. You're not trying to work for it. He already decided in advance. So what do I do? I have to now say, I believe this is true in my life right now. Amen. That's, this grace already provided it. So what does faith do? Faith says, I believe that. I believe that. So I'm going to act as if that's true. I have right standing with God. So now my praying is completely different. It's not, oh, God, please help me. No, now I stand on this side of it and go, this is what he said about me? Ooh, watch out now. Now I am right. I can start pleading my case, and my God hears me every time I open my mouth because I'm righteous. Amen. Amen. Why was Jesus heard? Every time Jesus opened his mouth, did the Father hear him? Yes. It should be the same thing for you. Why? Because he made that decision before the foundation of the world. How can he make this all legal? Okay, God made all these things. That, yeah, but sin came into the world. And sin entered the world through man. Yes, that's true. But look at this. 1 Peter chapter 1. How did God make this legal? I'm going to show it to you. 18 through 20. It says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid for you was not mere gold and silver. Click. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose Him as your ransom when? (laughs) When did Jesus die for your and my sin? Oh, we think 2,000 years ago. Yeah, He naturally came in and did that. But He already was before the foundation of the world. So how can He legally say, oh, yeah, you're righteous? Yeah, you're holy. I find no fault in you. How could God do this and say this is all true and this is right in your life? He did this because He, de- Jesus was a ransom long before the world began and he has now revealed them to us in these last days. Jesus was already the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Revelation 13.8 says that. That's who Jesus was. So how could God make this whole thing legal? He did it because Jesus was already crucified in his eyes before the foundation of the world. Is it's amazing. He started it. He started it. Man, I love that. Isn't it, Our God is so good. So now again, fast forward roughly 6,000 years from creation, and here we are. Right? Here we are sitting here. Red Deer, Alberta. <laughs> How does this affect me? How does this impact my life? Well, you and I, you've heard the gospel preached. You heard the message. And the way that I love Apostle Paul, he said this in Galatians 3.1. He says... Uh, The meaning of the cross was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross without even being there. Like, listen, so us today, we're not looking forward to Jesus doing the actual work. We actually look back and we go, he did the work. So whether you saw it on a a video, maybe you checked out YouTube and you saw some videos, maybe it's because you saw the passion play. Maybe it's because you, you, you heard the gospel preached in a church similar to this. Maybe you saw it on TV, wherever. Listen, the gospel today, Sundays, the gospel is going across the world. People are preaching this gospel. It's amazing. This message has never dwindled. So what are we doing? Every time you've heard it, what was it to you? It was as if you saw Jesus take your beating. It was as if you saw him getting those lashes on his back. It was as if you saw those nails going into his hands. You know, the piercings that went through his sides. The, 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 the. I mean, the mental heartache that he took of people just screaming at him. He took it all for you and I. And what happened, you and I responded now because you saw it. I mean, think about it. I remember the first time that I saw the Passion, you know, the Passion of the Christ movie from Mel Gibson. And I was in grade nine. My mom took me and my brother, Javen, and we went to that movie. And I remember just bawling my face off. And I even had friends that were at that same movie. So I just cried. I didn't have a really good rep already because I was the kid that if I had to go to a school dance, I had to be home by 8 o'clock. So I didn't have a really good rep to begin with. So I'm going to just ball in this movie. I don't care. <laughs> but listen, it, it it pulls on your heart. Right? Because what has God placed in every man? He's placed in every man. Eternity. So no matter, you can talk to the toughest, roughest guy out there. But guess what? You start sharing the love of God and what God decided before the foundation of the world, it draws on him. It pulls on his heartstrings. Why? Because that everybody wants it. Everybody wants the things that we just laid out in Ephesians chapter 1. They want to be blessed. They want to see. I want to be chosen. I want acceptance. I want to have no fault before God. Everybody wants this. And He's already provided it. So what happened to you tonight? You responded. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 5, I want you to turn there real quick. Man, don't you love Jesus? Yeah. He changes everything. His grace changes everything. So in verse 5, it says this, For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. So what's that saying? Man, the way that the law was, the law was if you do this, then God will do this. If you don't do this, then God can't do this. Right? You can see it's very much depending on how I act. If I do this, then God can. Now, do you see in the New Testament... What is hurting a lot of people is New Testament Christians living with Old Testament mindsets. I better go to church, because if I don't, then God will. No, no, no. There's none of that. If I don't pay my tithe, then God will. No, 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 no. you're, You're coming at it from a completely wrong motive, right? In the New Testament, it ought to be, I get to do this. The Old Testament was, I have to do this, or Right? New Testament, woo! Old Testament. You, you, you got to see this, though. This is where people are getting a little bit confused. Yep. I get to do this in the New Testament. So we, if, if you if you finding out, just check your own mindsets. Why are you here this morning? Why did you come? My friend invited me. Okay, that, that's great. But I, I, hear, I better do my, you know, I better, I better show up to church once in a while just to, you know, please the, please the big man upstairs. I don't know how many times I've heard that. And, you know, God's heart has never been that. We, we got to get to know him. What did he do? He put all of the ransom on Jesus. So what, yeah, what, kind of, what penalty, what kind of suffering you know, in order to appease our sin do we have to suffer through? None. Why? Because God put the ransom on Jesus. So what ransom do I carry? Come on, somebody. None. You have none whatsoever. So now my lifestyle is birthed out of grace. He loved me, I love you. Right? And remember when you, remember when you talked to your fiancé or your girlfriend or boyfriend at the time and you threw that big matzo ball out there? I love you. <laughs> Jamie started it, so I'm, I'm very thankful. She said, I love you. I was like, oh, cool. Yes. Deep down, I'm like, yes. keep it together, Joel, keep it together. And you know where she said, I love you? March 31st. 2007, it was freezing cold. But we were at the Bird Sanctuary place right on Gasoline Alley. I thought, where else do you take a girl from BC? Where do I show her the sights? Bird Sanctuary. And I rocked it. It was the most romantic thing. She said, Joel, I think I'm falling in love with you. I said, you are welcome. My Sunday evenings, have a, I spent a lot of Sunday evenings repenting to this woman for what happens on Sunday. Everything, I'm just saying what I hear my father say, so I'm, I'm, just, I'm just being Christ-like. So about that big matzo ball, you know, God threw the biggest one out there. I love you! And he gave the greatest gift. Like I, I remember even the first gift that I gave Jamie. I gave her this beautiful silver gold necklace. I got a card back that says, blessings to you and your family. Now now you're in trouble. Now, <laughs> she was a good Christian girl. Yeah, blessings to you and your household upon this fine Christmas day. Wow. May the, may the, may the light of Christ shine in your heart. Thanks, Jay. I'm, I'm trying to get a girlfriend out of this, not a, not a Hallmark card, right? <laughs> I love you, sweetheart. Uh, but the same thing. What did God do? I love you. And he threw out the greatest gift any man could ever receive, and he gave Jesus. Not expect, not knowing, or having any idea who on earth was just going to respond and say, I'll I'll take that love. He threw it out there. right? I'll I'll receive that love. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll take that love. We love him because he first loved us. Where does this relationship start? He started it. He started this whole thing. And listen, he is never going to just back out of the relationship. Why? Because he cut covenant with us. This isn't just a friendship that we have. Even Jamie and I, I don't just, I'm not just a friend with her. I'm in covenant with this woman. So if anybody tries to come near her and try to you know, hurt her in any kind of way, I'll break your legs. I'll pray for you after, but I'm, I'm in covenant with her. No, listen, we got to get this mindset. We just kind of think, oh, you know, she's a great, you know, me and her are just buddies. No, no, I'm, I'm with her 100%. You come at her, you got me on your tail. Well, same way with God. God is in covenant with us. He's not going to back out of this relationship. I'm not going to back out of my relationship with my wife. Why? Because I'm in covenant with this woman. God's the same way. He's a covenant-making God. So that's why, you see, man, do not go against whom God has blessed. Do not go against what God is in covenant with. So that's why anybody that tries to attack the church, guess what? Jesus gets on their case. You have a perfect example, the Apostle Paul. What was he doing at that time? Saul. Saul. He was going out on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9, and you see he was about to go take Christians away, put them in jail, and kill some of them. He was a modern-day terrorist. That's who he was. That's what he was on. All of a sudden, he's on the road to go do his business, and who showed up? Jesus. And what did he say? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my people? No, what did he say? Why are you persecuting me? He takes it extremely personal. This God is not going to back out on you. This God is not distanced from you. You have to change the way that you're thinking. God, how come He's not hearing my prayer? It ain't His fault. He's right here. He's talking. But are you aligning yourself to think like He thinks? You're in covenant with Him. What are your rights? Know your covenant rights. What did He say that you could have? What did He say already before the foundation of the world that belongs to you? Take it. Own it. Believe it. Take it. It's yours. It's yours. How? Because He already paid the ransom for it. Can you see that? Ah, So this is the difference between the law and grace. Jesus came to fulfill the law. So the law mindset, the law ways of doing things is complete. It's done. Jesus passed the test. He did it for us. Aren't you thankful? Man, living Old Testament-like, 613 commandments, that's a full-time job. You would not even have time to work. You're basically figuring out, please don't screw up. Please don't screw up. Listen, that's how it was. That's what it's like. Now, the law is not evil, but what it did, it actually, it proved to you and I that we weren't capable of living the holy life. Yeah. So Jesus did, and he did it for us, then he turns around and says, you're holy. Oh, yes. Well, No, I'm not. Yes, because I did it for you. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, man, you see this. Oh, this is amazing. So Romans chapter 10, verse 5 through 15. Oh, let's start, look at verse 6. It says, but faith's way of getting right with God, says, Don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to the earth. Nor does it say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. Verse 8. In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and it is in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. Now notice this. This is what you did. Okay, You heard the gospel being preached. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Period. Period. Not based on your works. Not based on how good you could have been or should have been. Period. I believe it. I confess it. I own it. Okay, verse 10. For it is... By believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. Verse 11, keep going with me guys. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be what? disgraced. Woo-hoo. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to what? all who call on him. All you call on his Lord, you call on the name of the Lord, what happens? He's gonna give generously towards you. That's who he is. Come on, see this, y'all. This is this is changes everything. This is gonna be the best Thanksgiving you've ever had. Why? Because I'm seeing things differently. Verse 13, he goes on and he says, For everyone, say everyone. everyone. What does that mean? Everyone. Adolf Hitler. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, these people are too bad for it. No, 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 no. You don't understand how great His grace is. It far surpasses what men can do. Verse 14, it just goes on to say, but how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they've never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? So this is our job. This is our task. What are we here for? We're here to preach the gospel. We're here to tell about God's side. This is what he made from before the foundation of the world. Just got to respond to it. I'm going to just switch over to this mic for a second. Team, why don't you guys come up? Go to verse 15. It says, And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. This is a complete game changer. This changes everything. You and I, we've heard the gospel. I mean, how many of you heard the gospel? Yes, it changed everything. What did you do? You responded to it. How did you respond? By believing it in my heart. What did I do after that? I confessed it with my mouth. Let's just say this. I believe with all my heart that Jesus died and He rose again. I'm a child of God. At that moment, everything God said from eternity past, the moment you confessed Him, these decisions He made meet up with you right at that spot. And what happens, you are now a possessor of the decisions that He made from eternity past. Oh, man. Isn't that amazing? This is who our God is. And this is why, man, we don't spend any... Don't worry about what other people are doing. If you just somebody just comes in and says, Jesus, I want you as my Lord and my Savior. That moment, God puts on them everything that He said. Wow. How do you say that backwards? Wow. Wow. It's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. This is who our God is. So let's all just stand up for a moment.